I saw that I could actually create a different life for myself. And there was a bit of an intention for that, putting that into what we're building in this company and creating the space for other people to have those breakthroughs, right? To be able to have a life that they want not necessarily in the accumulation of things, right? Or, or hitting some endpoint way out in the future. It's more finding that satisfaction in the moment, moment to moment, right? Through our work, through experiencing a sense of flow, through a sense of meaning and purpose. Welcome to the Best Self Management Podcast. I'm David Hassel. And I'm Shane Metcalf. Me and David have been working together along with our co-founder Nazar and all the amazing other people that are a part of 15.5 for the last seven years. And we are not the same people that we were seven years ago. One of the things we're a big stand for is like, how do we actually embrace the whole person and understand that can we support someone in thriving in their whole life? And if we do, then they're probably going to contribute more at work. Your mission is to attract the best talent, retain your high performers and maximize everyone's potential. Today, our guest will be ourselves. It's good to have us here, David. Good to have us here, Shane. Okay, so we're here seven years in to building this company. We've got great momentum. Numbers are looking really good. There's solid product market fit. We've got amazing people have joined the team. The culture is healthier, more cohesive than ever. What did we do? We have gotten some things right. We've gotten a lot wrong, but we've gotten some things right. So... I'm curious what you think is the secret sauce to what we've done. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, coming off our now sixth annual company-wide retreat that we just came back from last week, uh, that we've done six in the last seven years, it felt like a real culmination of something we set into motion at the outset. I was just blown away by the level of connection people had, the stories they shared about how unique and different this was. Uh, we had new employees who'd been with us for a week or two saying they didn't believe anything like this existed uh, and how it's already changed their lives and changed their perspective and what's possible. Well, then it's interesting because we're at this exponential level of growth. And so there were more people at this retreat than had actually been to one of the previous retreats of the last five years. Right. And so it was kind of like the pressure was on of, oh, have we lost the center of gravity because there's more new people that aren't indoctrinated into the culture? Right. And by and large, I think we, it was the best retreat I think we've ever pulled off. And, and I think that that's um, related to, again, the seeds that we planted at the outset. We had, a, we had a really clear intention that we believed there was a different way to do business and that the, the key to creating a thriving, sustainable, high-performing company for the long term was that we felt if we could create an environment where people were supported in being and becoming their best selves and unlocking their potential, then things would take care of themselves. And, you know, we had a vision for that at the outset. We got clear on what our why was. I think originally we said it was to unlock the potential of individuals and organizations' greatest potential. And we refined that to say our mission was to create the space for people to be their greatest selves. But it was it was very intellectual in a way. I mean, we had this idea, but there well, were just... A- didn't we actually start with more of a... Part, part of the why was around making sure that people are having the right conversations? That was that was part of it. That was more of like maybe the how. You know, again, we said that, look, if we want to create an environment where people are reaching their potential, clear and regular communication, especially that relationship between the managers and employees, was was really critical. 
um, because a manager has an undue ability to influence somebody's work life and to support them. They're, they've got a very visible line of sight. They can understand what the person's motive, you know, if they're trained well, they can understand what the person's motivations are, what their skill sets are, and, and how to support them in their journey. And we thought, you know, these annual reviews and only checking in once a year and then not having the appropriate types of conversations and questions was doing a major disservice. And so that was the first piece of, you know, how are we going to do that? And we were practicing, obviously, that internally. You know, but I think the having the intention from the outset, asking the question, you know, what if we created a company whose sole purpose was unlocking the potential of every person in it? What if the company's product, the sole purpose of the product was to do that for our customers? Like, wouldn't that create an extraordinary work environment? Wouldn't that create uncommon performance and uncommon loyalty? And it was a, it was a hypothesis, right? And I think, you know, we've now at, at the seven-year mark actually experienced that and said, oh my God, it's actually working right? It's actually working. And so a lot of it was intention, you know, getting clear on what we wanted to do, uh, leading the business as much from our hearts as from our heads, you know, finding good people who were a resonant match for what we were doing, who they didn't kind of look at us and say, hey, I've got three or four job offers. You know, what do you guys offer in terms of perks versus these people? It's more like, oh my God, you are the company I want to work for. Those are the people who come to work for 15.5 because they, they're why and, and what they're inspired by is is a match for what we're doing. You know, so it's finding people who want to do well in the world, they want to contribute, they 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 want to continue to learn, grow and develop and be great at what they do, but inside a broader purpose that they're deeply connected to at a at a at an emotional heart level. Yeah. You know, I think it's another really interesting part of this story is that we came to the table having done a lot of personal development work. Yeah. And we had had several experiences both in our separate lives and, you know, kind of in some simultaneous tracks, but a lot separately that was really diving into transformational personal development work and having these epiphanies, having these realizations about our the, the potential we were leaving on the table. Yes. And we were saying, this is vital for us. And, you know, maybe that came out of, uh, insecurities and places in our life that we were struggling that led us towards pursuing ongoing growth and development. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, one of the things that happened was when we got together and we started saying, let's build this company, there was this almost like we were looking for permission from each other that we could apply the lessons that we'd learned in these other systems yes that were yeah. not capitalistic for-profit driven organizations that whose sole purpose was to make money but whose purpose was how do you get really good at relationship how do you get good at good at communication how do you create intimacy in a room and cultivate vulnerability and get people to see each other at uh, levels that go beyond the superficial and so we both kind of came to the table with a lot of these experiences of knowing how good life could be, knowing how connected and in love you can feel with the community of people around you. Right. And it was almost this insane idea of, you know, why us as founders be the only people that are benefiting from that. We know that so much goodness can come out of this type of work. So let's build a company where the culture is one that continually has people leaning into their own growth edge 
in ways that are personally meaningful to them, as well as us being able to share our resources and create all these cultural rituals and practices that are going to kind of slowly move people towards transformational realizations. David, what are some of the more meaningful moments of of growth that you had before starting that, that have really influenced 15.5? I came to the realization prior to 15.5 that it's possible to grow and change and transform that we're not fixed and we're not we're not stuck with the with the life that we have that we can actually go out and and change ourselves and change the world if we want to. You know, and, and just a little side note on that is that up until the 80s, the general consensus in psychology was that adult human development stopped when you stopped physically growing. Right. And so this idea that adults can form new patterns, habits, ways of being and thinking is, uh, we're still in the very beginning of that actually catching on and being part of uh, our general understanding of how humans work. Right. I think in, you know, maybe a decade ago, um, I'd always been kind of successful. Like I did well enough in school and I went to a great school and I started a company out of college and that makes one of us at least. <laughs> right, exactly. But at the same time, I felt a lot of insecurity, right? I felt like I, I wasn't hitting the mark somehow and I was struggling and I was struggling more emotionally than anything else. So my inner world felt challenging. And I, I sought out a variety of different things to, to try to help and resolve that and had major, major breakthroughs in the process and saw that I could actually create a different life for myself. And, and there was a bit of an intention for that, seeing that that's possible, you know, putting that into what we're building in this company and creating the space for other people to have those breakthroughs right to be able to to have a life that they want not necessarily in the accumulation of things right or or hitting some endpoint way out in the future right where you think you're going to have everything and then you're going to be happy it's more finding that satisfaction in the moment moment to moment right through our work through experiencing a sense of flow through a sense of meaning and purpose right that those things were possible and and the other point you made, you know, I noticed that there were so many of my entrepreneur friends who had left other businesses because they felt like it was the only way that they could have meaning and purpose and passion in their lives, whereas they didn't feel like they were a fit doing that inside an organization. And I started asking the question, well, why is that only reserved for, for people who want to go and start companies? What if you actually created an entire organization where people had that experience? Because, you know, honestly, being a founder is not for everyone. There's, there are, you know, different skill sets and also pressures and things like that. And, and it's, it's a rather insane thing to do. It, it can be, yes, I think it is a rather insane thing to do. And it's not for everybody and nor should it be for everybody. And so, but at the same time, I don't think that the upside of that, you know, of being connected to, uh, purpose and having a sense of intrinsic motivation, getting out of bed and wanting to create this in the world just for the sake of it should be reserved just for the founders. N knowing my strengths and using them every day, knowing that I'm actually doing work that is making a positive difference in the world, feeling a part of a higher purpose, being connected to the people that I work with and having friendships at work. You know, I think those are all the things that are possible when you do a couple of the subtle cultural engineering things. Exactly. So, so, so David, so one of your superpowers that, uh, you know, anybody that knows you knows how true this is, 
is your ability to see potential in somebody and help them bring it out. Mm -hmm. You know, I've certainly experienced it of you seeing potential that I didn't know I had. And there's this fierce kind of, it's almost like you get somebody in your tractor beam and you're like, no, that's just who you are. And I accept nothing other than that. And I'll be patient while you figure that out. And so then, you know, watching you apply that in building a team and the leadership team and the culture. And so, you know, one of the things that is occurring to me is that you can't see the potential in somebody unless you have experienced those moments of transcendence, like you've just mentioned, where yes. you actually get to see that you yourself are capable of more than you think you are. That And that allows you to have faith that somebody is capable more of more than they're currently demonstrating. So can you share a little bit around how you've come to that and you know what's what's going on behind the scenes for you when you hold a powerful intention that ends up changing somebody's life? I think it comes down to a combination of belief and compassion. Because I've like you said, I've had those experiences myself and I also know what the struggles like. I know how hard it can be to actually make meaningful shifts and changes and deal with you know, some challenging, um, kind of challenging ways of being, you know, we, we get into ruts, we get into habits, we, you know, the, the way that our brains are wired up and our neurology is wired up, we tend to do the, do and think the same things over and over and over again. And it's the path of least resistance and it's hard to make a real shift and change. And so because I have overcome certain things in my life and seen that, um, I just walk around with a belief in people. I, you know, I, I believe that we can all be and become more than we are, and and that's there for anyone who wants it. And I also have a healthy dose of care and compassion for the process, right? So, and I think that that unique combination of of being a stand for somebody for their greatness and being patient gives someone the space to do it on their own time, but with just the right amount of of support, you know, kind of guiding them along. It's funny, the, you know, once a year or whatever it is that I come to you and I'm like, I don't know, David, I don't, I'm not sure if I can do this anymore. And like, I, I think that, you know, the company's outgrown me or whatever, I, I my own insecurities and anxieties that I go through. Yeah. And every time I bring that to you, like you listen to me, but you don't even entertain that to be true. You're like, oh yeah, Shane, that's, that's nice. I think my first response is actually to laugh. Yeah, you usually do laugh at me and you're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry you're feeling that. And I feel, I feel a little compassion, but I don't even feel like you actually really entertain. You're not like, yeah, you know, I think you might be right. Like that's not, that never even enters the conversation. Right. Um, and so that's, that's been extremely helpful for me because it really does allow me to turn that breakdown into a breakthrough mm -hmm. as well as I, and I think this is, again, is something that we talk a lot about of how do you create psychological safety? So as a leader and as a manager, you want the truth from your people. Mm -hmm. You actually want to know where they are struggling and where they're being stopped by their own belief systems. For sure. And you're not going to get that truth. And certainly not to the depth of, you know, some of the things that you've come to me with and that we've been able to have that kind of rapport. Uh, unless you've created a very, very high degree of psychological safety and trust. And so I, again, we, we want to you know, so much of what we talk about with best self management and 15.5 is 
create higher levels of trust and vulnerability in your organization, and you will benefit. Yeah. That if a, an organization that can tell the truth to itself is going to win because it is going to learn. It is going to be able to cultivate more of a growth mindset where you can take the challenges that you're experiencing as company and as individuals and actually work with them instead of pretending they don't exist. You know, I mean, how often does this happen where you as an employee have an issue, you're struggling with something, you have a lot of fears coming up, but because there's this demand to always perform, you know, don't let them see you sweat, vulnerability is weakness, that you hide those problems. You, yep. you, you make sure that nobody knows they're happening. Definitely not your boss. Mm-hmm. And think of the cost of that. Huge cost. I mean, I, I, gave a, I gave a talk on best self-management to 75 venture-backed CEOs recently. And the CEO of a 600-plus person company, or it might have been the president, came up to me and was just, it was like a light bulb went off. He said, oh my God, I just realized I haven't created enough psychological safety for my leadership team, and it's why I'm not getting the information that I need, right? Because things get hidden. And then, and then what happens is issues that could have been addressed and dealt with, right, in collaboration eventually blow up, right? And then you're in firefighting mode, right? And you just, you never knew that that was going on. And so I think that a lot of people walk around with fear, Right, and they're operating from a place of fear. If I if I share that I'm, I don't know, or or uh, I'm feeling insecure, or I'm challenged by something, or you know something isn't going in the right direction, that there's going to be negative repercussions for them. They're going to be maybe they're going to be let go, or they're going to be reprimanded, or or whatnot. And I think that we need to hold people accountable. Yes, absolutely need to hold people accountable. Uh, you know, when we when we spoke with uh, Joe McClinsky on on that other podcast. You know, we talked about these elements of trust being sincerity, reliability, and competence, right? And if we don't show up, if we're not reliable, right, there's a breakdown in trust. And we need to hold people accountable when they're not reliable. And at the same time, um, we have to separate out, right, the person from the intention and the results and understand that more often than not, people have a good intention. More often than not, they do have sincerity about what they're trying to accomplish. And there may be some things to work on in terms of their competence, their skill set, and their reliability, their ability to keep commitments. And we need to hold people accountable to that. But we also need to, at a higher level, really make it clear that we're on the same team, right? As a manager, my job is to really support everybody on my team in doing their best work and being their best selves. And I have to hold people accountable from time to time when results aren't hit. But we, the sooner we can see that something's not going to be on the mark, the sooner I can get engaged to support that person to make sure they have it as a win, right? Or we, you know, we have a radically candid conversation and we address some things and we move on. But again, but it's all un- inside the umbrella of care. They understand that I'm on their team. I want the best for them. I want the best for the business and I want to collaborate on it. Shifting gears a little bit to a kind of a parallel track is... How do we cultivate the health of the leadership team? So, you know, one of the things that kind of blows my mind is that I like you and everybody else on the leadership team more than I did even seven years ago. Right. Back when it was all just fertile ground and it was only possibility of, hey, let's do this thing and let's try to change the world, which is can be kind of easy to like people at that stage because you haven't gone through the muck with them. You haven't really 
sat there in meetings and pounded on tables and disagreed and grown your own teams and have to work budgets and all the things that you have to do as a company that often leads teams to uh, fracture yeah. and to splinter. Um, and so let's talk a little bit around how, you know, A, the value and importance of maintaining a healthy leadership team. Yep. And what are some of the practices that we engage in to make sure that we have our attention on that and that we're able to course correct when things get off a little bit? Well, let me start out by saying that, you know, sometimes I forget how good we have it. And I remember when I talked to, you know, leaders in other companies and the challenges they often have with one or more members of their leadership team or tensions or conflicts and those types of things. And we generally don't have a lot of that. We do have conflict. Uh, I would say it's healthy ideological conflict, which is something that um, Patrick, Lencioni. Patrick Lencioni talks about. <clears throat> and But we resolve things, and generally we have a very high degree of respect and regard for one another, uh, a high degree of radical candor, and I would say a high degree of, of health on the leadership team. And it's my belief that as goes the leadership team, so goes the company. It is the most important team dynamic, relationship dynamic to get right and to maintain. I also believe that relationships tend to, um, can devolve. They don't necessarily always devolve, but over time, there can be resentments and other things that build up and get in the way of a relationship between two people if there isn't good hygiene throughout right? If we're not telling the truth to one another, if we're not uh, bringing things up as they occur, which we may have, we're unclear about, you know, maybe something felt off, we felt hurt by somebody, there was something we, we didn't like about a, a situation and we keep that in and we don't share about it. And then it ends up, uh, I kind of like believe that it almost like creates more distance in the space between two people as these things build up. Well, especially if, you know, your, your feelings get hurt and a, we got to acknowledge that first of all, we're humans, we have feelings, you know, it's, it'd be a lovely ideal if in business, we just didn't actually have feelings, but that's just not true. And I think right. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an essential piece of, of starting to build this kind of uh, next generation company is actually human beings have feelings and those feelings are important and are you need to tend to them as right. just a foundational, like, hey, let's accept reality here. And then when you have feelings, sometimes those feelings get hurt. And if you don't clear it up with the person, then all of a sudden you start to distance yourself a little bit from them. Yep. And it becomes easier to other them, to think of them as not a part of, that you aren't on the same team. And then slowly the distance grows and grows and grows and grows. And it doesn't just grow, it'll often uh, putrefy. Yes. It, it becomes toxic. It's just like a cavity that turns into an abscess. And all the next thing you know, the level of disconnection that you feel from your own company or from your all, your own colleagues is, is vast. And I think that's that's often the norm and is probably one of the leading causes of companies falling apart. Yep. It's one of the default ways we go, right? And so you know, just like dental hygiene, right? If you if you're not taking care of your teeth on a regular basis, then you end up having issues, right? It's the same thing. It's like, but we're not taught the relationship hygiene. Like nobody teaches us this stuff. I certainly had to learn the hard way in a number of uh, of relationships, uh, and some that were too far gone before I had learned the hard way. A couple of things that we do, and I think we do really well, 
important is that we create consistent experiences where we are all exposed to challenge and novelty together outside of work contexts. As a leadership team. As a leadership yes. team. And so twice a year, we meet in person for a leadership retreat. And we're distributed. We have uh, leaders in Amsterdam, North Carolina, New York, Arizona, San Francisco, and now uh, Orange County as well. And we bring everybody together for a three, four-day retreat. And we go to these epic spots in nature. We rent an Airbnb in some cool location. And we engineer it where we can have peak experiences together. You know, uh, going stargazing under these incredible stars in Sonoma County. And three of the people on the leadership team, they hadn't really ever stargazed. They hadn't really seen the thick band, the Milky Way, and hearing the mythological storytelling about the constellations. And it's this, this emotional peak experience that inspires these moments of awe and transcendence. Yeah, or even yeah. seeing a shooting star. We, 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 yeah. we got to witness a couple of times that night, yeah. Well, right, and it was like some of them, the people on the team, their first time seeing a shooting star, which in a way, if you think about it, is such this human experience, such this moment of ah, wow, and wonder. And we do these things on a regular basis so that we might be having a shared experience where we're tapping into to a more human side of ourselves. And then we go through a lot of the business strategy and working on our OKRs and you know these other things that help drive the business forward. But we're constantly having our attention on how do we cultivate and nourish the emotional bank accounts that we all have with each other. Right, and deep rapport and deep personal relationships. And that non-work time is, is, is a big part of what fuels that. You know, you've, you've talked, Shane, often you've taught me this, uh, that the idea that people bond most through a combination of challenge and novelty. And, and I, you know, I've, I've seen that to play out to be true, and I think that it's an important piece of the retreat. And it's also important to get down to the fundamentals of the business. What are we doing strategically? And we get into our intellectual mindset. Now, one of the things we did at the last leadership retreat, you know, in line with, do we have strong enough relationship hygiene? Is we had an entire hour and a half session where we just talked about, you know, do we have any withholds with each other? And uh, define withholds. Yeah. So withhold is something that, you know, it could be very minor. You know, I felt like you looked at me a little bit sideways and I took that to mean X, Y, and Z. I made up a story that, you know, you were annoyed and, you know, I didn't share about that. So, so if, if something happens, right, where I feel impacted by you, whether it was intentional or not, and I don't share about it with you, that's one of those things that we talked about creates that distance. We retain it internally. We maybe make up a story about it. It may, may have been absolutely nothing, may not have even been about me but I feel like maybe there was a slight or something like that. And then over time, if it happens again, I start to say, oh, you know, this guy, this Shane guy, I don't know about, I don't know about him. And, and then it starts to color my experience. I start to expect more of that. And then this, it turns into resentment and then resentment then festers and becomes toxic. And so if you can actually share openly and say, hey, I noticed when I said X, Y, and Z, you kind of looked sideways at me. And what was that about? I noticed it made me feel you know, I, I ended up feeling this way and, um, you know, I just wanted to clear that with you and share. And then, you know, you may have an opportunity to, uh, you know, to share back. I'm trying to remember the one that we had not too long ago. Um, was it about the bike? No, it wasn't about the bike, but that's a good one. <laughs> and so out of that session, 
we now have a practice at the beginning of every leadership meeting where we allow a couple of minutes and we say, does any, you know, we create the space to share any withholds. And it, and it's still, you know, like this is definitely the advanced level. This yes. is not uh, something for a faint of heart. Yes, right. Because it is, it's getting into truth. And we're typically terrified of truth. We're typically terrified of feedback and hearing about negative experiences that other people might have of us. Yep. And yet it is the secret to good relationships is to lean into that truth. That's right. Actually be open to hearing about, are we having a negative impact on other people around us? And not that that necessarily means we need to stop doing what we're doing, but it's going to be more information, more data points, and we can create a stronger, more unified team. Right. Because you think of, of the impact of, if I resent you, which then leads to me not really going to be trusting you. Exactly. And so I'm not going to really be telling you the truth. I'm not going to be leaning in and really feeling like, hell yeah, you have my back and I have yours. Yep. It, it really compromises the integrity of the entire system. That's right. And I think also the other ingredient here is without a strong, what you might call a third pole, this, this, the purpose of the organization we're more committed to the purpose of the organization than having it our way and being right about something. So we may have conflict in a meeting. I may have one view on how we should do something. You may have another, you know, someone else has a third. We can debate that. We can get into some energized states of conflict, but it's healthy conflict. And we're always going to make the decision based on what's best for the, when we ultimately agree, what's best for the company. Right. As opposed to it's like my ego versus your ego and, you know, who gets to have the recognition or, or whatnot. It's, 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 it's about what's actually in service for the highest potential of the organization. So that's why having a really, really strong purpose and why that everyone's committed to above and beyond just being in their role and doing their job is so critical. And then, you know, obviously the, the health of the organization, again, the health of the leadership team is a derivative of that. If we're going to, if we're going to achieve our potential as a company, we've got to have an extraordinarily healthy team. And so we have to do these practices that are not common in the business world, because this is how you do it. You know, if you're listening, uh, just take a moment and think of the people you work with, the people that you collaborate with, do you have withholds for them? Are there places where you're running a story internally and when they show up, you feel a, almost like an emotional spike of, of anxiety or fear or resentment. You know, what's the, how, what's the status of your emotional bank accounts with your people? If you're an executive, what's the emotional bank account of your leadership team? And if it's low, there is massive liability for your company. And I think that, again, this isn't just kind of nice, soft things that, oh, so that we can be happy at work and, you know, but it doesn't really actually affect our ability to, to fulfill our purpose and to create value. This is central. This is one of the most important things that you can do and will give you the ultimate competitive advantage over anybody else. This is like one of those things that's just like, it's hard to see. It's not visible. We can't walk into a room and see the, the level of trust, right? And the level of connection between people. But you can see it when they get together. You can almost feel it energetically. If you walk into, you know, if you've ever walked into a tense situation where there's two people who are just in an argument and you've walked in, 
right? And there's this like kind of eerie silence. You can kind of feel the pins and needles. People are on edge, right? Like, Ooh, that's awkward. Right, exactly. So you, we have this sense. We do. We can't see it, but we all, we all know what, we've all had that experience. And then you walk into a room where people are just, you know, joyfully connecting or maybe they're collaborating. The energy is so high. You're like, wow, the energy feels amazing in here. We're like, what's happening? Right? We felt that too. Uh, the latter only happens when there is that clarity of relationship. There's nothing in the way, right? We get to be with one another and we're not, we're not shut down. We're not constricted. And that only happens again, you know, if we have a high emotional bank account. Clearing, you don't have to clear to get there. And people, people have those kinds of relationships without, you know, clearing exercises. But it is one of those tools that can help do that, right? More reliably. So, as you were saying, so goes the leadership team or the leadership of a company, so goes the company. Yeah. And so what we're really saying here is that if you want to build a great culture, don't focus on perks. Don't think, oh, okay, cool. We need to do happy hours. We need to do all these things. You could, Those are fine. But it really starts, the culture really starts with the, the founders and with the leadership team. If you don't create healthy relationships there, you're fighting a very uphill battle. Because you're modeling, you know, you're modeling what the rest of the company should be doing and how they should be behaving. You know, people see, they can feel into, um, you know, what the, what the climate is, right? And, you know, it's our belief that when there's healthy relationships throughout the entire organization, right, then things just flow. There's a, I remember there was a book called The Speed of Trust, for example. So, you know, when there's high trust, things get done faster. We don't have to be checking things out and going behind people's backs and, and all these other things that, that get in the way. And I think the same thing happens when there's, you know, very strong relationships where we really, really have each other's backs and we're all working toward the same outcome, the same goal as one team. And uh, I think that's probably another podcast topic for some time is talking about this one team concept versus, you know, different silos and different departments uh, of the company. It's something we've, we've explored, but, um, you yeah, know, you know, my friend, uh, a veteran was saying that the number one thing you learned from the military was that unity is the single greatest multiplying force known to man, known to woman, known to humankind, let's say. Yeah. And that, that is a, an opportunity that anybody running an organization has in front of them is to create extremely high levels of cohesion, trust, and unity to apply our genius and our skills and talents of that collective body towards a common purpose. Yeah. And with, when you do that, there's almost nothing you can't do. Exactly. And so I would say if you're listening to this, you know, focusing first on that the leadership team relationships. How does the team feel, and how are the individual relationships between members of the of the leadership team? Because that, that team, that leadership team, needs to collaborate and work on fulfilling the strategy and objectives of the organization. And there needs to be a high degree of trust, psychological safety, and uh, strong relationships because things inevitably will go wrong. You know, one of the one of the classics that we see all the time is this challenge between the sales and the and the engineering team and in, in in companies that or product team in a you know if it's not a software company, but uh, the salespeople will complain that the product's not quite there. The product team will complain that the salespeople are selling things that don't exist yet, and there and, and and there's there's this lack of trust that breaks down. And oftentimes, that starts at the leadership level, 
right? And so, you know, we need to be able to to address those things when they come up. And that's not going to happen unless there's a high degree of trust. Because then when, when the stakes are high, that's when you're going to draw on that emotional bank account. And if it's not there, you're in trouble. A very practical tip for you all listening, and if you're resonating with this, is uh, get Patrick Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He also has a, a leadership team assessment. If you just look up uh, uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team uh, assessment, you you can have your leadership team go through this. It's a quick 10, 15-minute survey and get a really good sense of how is the health of your leadership team. It's a survey we've used throughout building 15.5, really good, really useful. And then you have insight. Oh, wow, this is where we're sucking as a team. This is where the breakdowns are happening. And then if you have the courage to go have those difficult, awkward conversations, that's when you can really make some magic and you get to model what is a healthy team, which then spills down throughout the entire organization. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And we hope you got something out of this podcast. I'm Shane Metcalf. David Hassel. We're 15.5. Tune in next time. A big thank you to our producer, Counterweight Creative, our executive producer, David Disney, and Stacey Hurst, our guest coordinator. Please visit 15.5.com slash podcast. That's the number 15 and the word five for more information on today's discussion, for additional resources and special offers. You can also start a dialogue or share us on social media. Use the Twitter handle at 15.5 and the hashtag best self management. And if you love what you're hearing, please help us grow by giving us a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you go to download this podcast. To get all the latest episodes, please subscribe to Best Self Management on iTunes or Google Play. We'd also love to hear from you at podcast at 15.5.com. And finally, thank you for listening to this podcast. Until next time, know that we support you in being and becoming your best self.